Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to the Reluctant Agilist. This is take three, and I'm not going to screw this one up. So Mikhail Grill is with me again today. So thank you for making time for the many restarts of this podcast and for the interview. Hi, Dave. Thanks for having me on again. I was looking forward to this. <laughs> me too. I'm, I'm really excited about it. So we were talking about a week and a half, two weeks ago, and he was explaining something to me about how they approach Agile transformation at his company, which I had never heard of before. And it kind of blew me away because it seems so incredibly simple and such a smarter way to go about this stuff um, that I, I asked if we could do an interview about it. So if you're somebody who's working at a place that is trying to get their head out of the waterfall and into a more agile way of looking at things and working, um, there might be some really cool stuff in here that you could try out. And before we jump into that, though, I'm wondering, would you mind kind of explaining to the folks that are listening what you do at Norbrems, if I'm pronouncing it right, and and the the type of the work that happens in your sphere, because a lot of the folks who listen sure. to this probably come from software, and you have sort of a slightly different realm that you're dealing with. That's right. Sure. So yeah, my name is Michael Grill. I'm currently the head of processes and methods at Knobrems in in Austria, um, which is it's actually a German corporation and a tier one supplier in the automotive and railway industry. Um, we're probably best known still. I mean, we're doing a lot of stuff, but we're probably best known for our braking systems for rail and commercial vehicles. So it's all hardware, you know, so we try to, we, we try our best to uh, make public transport as safe as possible and get trains to stop and trucks to stop properly. Um, I have a background in mechanical engineering. Um, I was a developer, a lead developer, um, and then at some point became a product owner. Um, for, did that for a couple of years. Yeah, and then I, at some point it was crystal clear that I have to pivot my career and um, get into Agile and all that comes with it 100%. Yeah, and I'm now I'm working with a great team um, and we're working on our Agile transformation and, and you know, different topics related to the optimization of our organizational system. All right. Thank you. And so, so three tries to get your name fairly right. And I still butchered the name of your company. So I apologize for that. Um, that's perfect. <laughs> but so one of the things that's always interesting to me when we talk is I am, when I hear you talk about your company, the things that you say about how it treats the people that work there and the way that it approaches getting the stuff done is always I'm always kind of taken aback because I hear so many stories of places that are like the lemony snicket version of that, like the, the worst possible opposite um, that treat people like broken cogs in a broken machine. But that's not the way things happen where you are, and at least not all the time. Um, but I'm wondering if you would mind walking through what you explained to me about personal Kanban and its use and how that is a path towards Agile? Of course, I'd love to. So a couple of years ago, we, um, we, we, we became more and more unhappy um, with the speed or, or the time it took us to get actual hardware on our hands, you know, get it to testing, maybe into field testing. And then also, you know, we became less and less satisfied with the duration of our R&D projects and so on. So I would say, traditional reasons why you go into Agile, I'd say. Um, and so then we got interested in Agile ways of working. I think it's kind of a, I would say, it's a, a three-part story how we landed uh, 
you know, working with personal Kanban. So we got interested in agile ways of working um, because, you know, markets became more challenging also and customers more demanding. And we wanted faster delivery, improved customer orientation and satisfaction. We wanted to manage our risks better. Um, it's all the classics, I'd say. And we started with a couple of pilots and those pilots, those were scrum pilots. And, and we really wanted to nail them. So we got outside help and we really wanted to do the 353 of Scrum, right? And those teams were perfect in terms of staffing. So all the accountabilities, as they're called now, were fully dedicated resources. Um, you and know, did it work? Scrum Masters. Exactly the way it's defined? What? No, not exactly the way it's defined. Obviously, I mean... It was a trick question. Obviously not. No, <laughs> but I get it. I mean, no, obviously not. Not at all, but but it was still great, really. We liked what we saw. You know, the results were good, and we were not just faster, but we liked um, we liked the you know the iterative working uh, in the development process, and teamwork was great. And I would say, or I would call them more advanced patterns, like swarming, for example. Yeah, where they were working, it was really good. You know, it was a great dynamic. But what you really have to add here is that. As a company, we we basically we let it rip, you know. So we there was no that's not how we do it here, or we try to reduce corporate guidelines as much as possible, you know, without taking risks in terms of quality. So the environment for those teams was also really good. So they had a real chance to be successful. I want to pause there for a second because that's I think what most people don't get is they're told, "Hey, use Scrum to fix this problem." but they're still operating in a system that won't permit Scrum to do what it's supposed to do. So you you work at a place yeah. where they actually created conditions to allow it to perform, and you had people that were willing to do it as well. Sure, but we're, we're still talking pilots at this yeah. point. So, and there's another element. And you're manufacturing um, to, as well, which means you can't just like churn course, out software yeah. a couple times a day. No, no, no. But that would be amazing. You know, if we can turn out, you know, hardware a couple of times a day, that would be pretty cool. Um, but no, uh, but there's another element to the system at that point. You know, those teams were loaded with people that really wanted to be there. Not that that's, you know, not the case anymore, but, you know, those were all the early adopters, you know, people yeah. that love trying new Super stuff. Super passionate are, about it. Yes. You know, they're either, you know, they also caught the the agile bug like I have or, you know, so that's also, I mean, that's helpful. And so we were successful and then we thought, all right, let's bring it to the real thing and maybe do a little scaling as well. So okay. we then established, I think I would say four scrum teams and three of them had really, they had to work together to build one overall system, one overall breaking system. And that was still successful. Um, and at that point, we started also, you know, work on product design, you know, well, stuff like manufacturing. Yeah. With the, with the scaling, were you doing like Scrum of Scrums, or did you adopt? I mean, I'm assuming not safe since it's only a couple of teams, but no, there... it's not. It wasn't safe. It was Scrum. It was it was a I would say Scrum at scale ish. Okay, I would call it. You know, we 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 did certain elements of of the Scrum at scale framework, not the not the whole deal, but okay. you know, as 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 much as possible. And that, then we started also working on product uh, architecture, you know, looked into extreme manufacturing to help, you know, to help us out. But 
but it was still it was getting harder to keep that speedboat character, right? And not just because it was now a team of teams, um, yeah. and there were more you know communication lines and dependencies and all of that, but also at that point, reality was kicking in a little bit, you know. So now it becomes a, now it becomes a transformation because cool. now you cannot have all fully dedicated resources anymore because people have to share that time between non-agile projects and agile projects. And there are maybe, maybe you even, you know, you don't have enough people to have these super cross-functional teams. So you, you know, you, you, you okay. keep sharing even more. And so, so can I, I want to, I want to see if I can reframe that a little bit. So in a perfect world for agile to thrive, you would have unlimited access to people with skills. Of course, but you you ran into a barrier of whether it was you know the company had limits on headcount it could it could manage or people you yes. could find but there there is a place where you hit a wall and you can't we can't say like spin up another team there's no other team to spin up like you've run out of people and then yeah. you start having them work on multiple projects because the reality of it is you can only have so many people in your company right that's exactly right and I don't even think personally I don't think that that's that. That's not an agile thing, really. That's not right, an agile it's just problem. Reality it's a, a, and over, yeah, it's just reality, exactly. Yeah, and and at that point, problems like overload, and I mean not the regular overload, you know, not the regular. I have too much on my table, but overload became a real thing, and and also we basically we put people into another system, so they're already part of you know an incredible amount of systems. Um, but now there is another one. There is this agile, and then there is this non-agile world because obviously it's it's transformation, right? Okay. Um, so so it there, becomes very taxing on the individual. So the taxing from the perspective, especially since you're in charge of processes and methods, ta- taxing from the perspective of I have to know multiple ways to work, and depending on yeah. where I am and with which group of people, I have to work in a completely different way. Plus, I'm working on different products with different teams and different communication patterns and all that stuff is going to make everything like kind of suck a little bit more. Yeah. And also, I mean, you, you run into the problem where people are saying, and rightfully so, they're saying, well, you told us that, you know, communication will be easier, but now I have yeah. just it's more easier. meetings, you know, because yeah. I have the agile events and then I got the all the old stuff. So, yeah. and And then... You know, with, with all the overload and the, the sharing of resources, I always had to think about something that I heard in, in, in one of my one of the trainings I did. So I, I was I was lucky enough to do one of my scrum trainings with Jeff Sutherland, the Scrum at Scale training. Okay. And and he would always say, you know, when a question came up in class, whatever the question was, the first thing he, he said or asked back was, So what does data tell you? And I always had to think, yeah, well actually nothing because we don't have you know <laughs> we don't have any data, data. <laughs> you know we don't have any data yeah because obviously we didn't have like something like a flow metric that would tell me yeah well that week we were working 30% on this and then 15% okay. on project B or something i mean obviously you have the time recordings and all of that but it's no live data you know i want to i want to ask a question about this so you had evolved sure. scrum to the point where it was more or less working even in a, in a slight scaling aspect um you had traditional stuff going on. I'm assuming there's yeah. some PMO function that's trying to put all these reports together. So were yeah. you were you actually just looking at velocity and things like that for the scrum teams and you know whatever other metrics for the waterfall teams? Or 
Um, well, the the overall strategy uh, when we started with this, with Scrum and and also that you know that way of reporting or looking at, at KPIs was always to to challenge the plans that come from from the PMO. You know, so they they are setting certain milestones with certain assumptions in regards to you know budgets and everything, and we would just challenge that. Can we make those you know those dates and all of that? You know, give them. Give them data and information back. So you're basically like QA for the PMO's project plan. In that you're less, trying yes. to break it feedback. or find all the holes in it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Give give a lot of feed, give a ton of feedback, you know. And then at some point, you know, because and we were starting new projects as well. So you you have to finish a couple of projects to really have a solid database, I would say, to to say, yeah. all right, let's let's forget about all the traditional stuff, you know, and and do only, you know, plan everything. Um, through I don't know large scale estimation or whatever, and, and have only agile release plans and stuff like that. This is a pretty, in, at least from what I typically see, pretty unique as well because I work with a lot of companies where if a PMO or whatever function defines the plan, the teams still approach their work as if we've been given this plan, we have to achieve it, even if it's impossible. They, there's no um, there's no loop for them to give feedback that's willing to you know the PMO is not willing to listen to it. You're just supposed to do it. Um, yeah, you're not sure. like that. Well, in part, I mean, obviously we have the hard deadlines and everything. I mean, I don't want it's. I mean, for sure, you know what we want what we want to achieve here is like build this as I was saying this database, you know, to just do better plans, make better plans in the future, you know, that are more realistic, you know, and okay. yeah, that's what we want so to do. you're capturing the data so that you can actually get better at forecasting. Yeah, sure. I mean, because it's important, you know, we, yeah. as you were saying, I mean, we have limited resources, customers become more demanding, timelines become more demanding, and we have to, you know, we have to know where we're at really, you know, as you would okay. say, you know, like in competitive sports, for example, before the season starts, you never really you're never going to know how good you you are, yeah. right? Okay. And so flow metrics were the secret sauce that you sprinkled into your scrum or fall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, basically. Um, so, but maybe back to the overload and all of that. Yeah. So we thought when we keep scaling like this, um, we're going to run the risk of scaling those problems as well that we're having. Uh, you know that we're facing right now and now you know part two uh on our way to to personal kanban here um when we keep about scaling that was also the end of the early adopter phase okay. because now it's 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 also people are you know being part of the scrum teams and kanban teams that that it's not that they're against it but they might not be the you know these super agile aficionados, yeah. you know, they, you know, it's just, it's fine or they don't like it, whatever. And it's all good. You know, I think it's all fair. I mean, work is very personal. Yeah. I, I, I really do get it. And also I think if you never heard about agile in general and, and maybe didn't have a chance or the time, whatever to, to get into this um, frameworks like scrum, they are. They can be pretty demanding, you know, because there's yeah. a lot of change happening. And a it lot of discipline. Really. A lot of yes. discipline. Um, a completely separate value system. 
Yeah, there's so yeah. much that's different. I always describe because, it as like switching religions. I mean, it's that complicated. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, totally agree. And we don't want to lose people, you know? Mm-hmm. That, that's not that's not what we want to do here, of course, because we have a lot of great professionals and and we just, you know, but we want to get there together, you know? They, they always say it's a journey. Yeah. And as I was saying, work is personal. And I think you have to respect that. And especially with Scrum and, you know, respect kind of kind of a thing here. Um, yeah. So, so we need, basically, we need a way so that people can learn and experience basic agile principles. So they can, you know, see the potential for themselves, you know, and so on. Yeah. So now, finally, getting to part three here. Um, so now we thought, we probably have to change our approach for, for agile transformation and changing the way we work, add stuff to it, because we, we would probably have to go back to improving the environment for those teams and also the individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we have to make it more human centric because the, all the overload stuff and the systemic issues and, and also the, you know, problems with the acceptance those are also individual problems you okay. know, that you have to really respect and work with. So I, I apologize. Hang on one second. I apologize that I keep sure, doing this, no but problem. you're saying so many things that, that for you seem like, it sounds like they're pretty natural conclusions to come to, but they're not. Like a few minutes ago, you said that if you try to do this stuff in the large, you just run the risk of scaling problems. Or as Chet Hendrickson once said, scaling the inability to deliver software. Yes, um, yes, exactly. You also, you said you don't want to lose people. You just talked about the fact that you're trying to create a humane system. So that's not always what's going on. A lot of places are really just focused on instead of how do we create an environment that can help these people thrive and do good work? It is squeeze more out of the machine. Um, and I just, I feel like I need to highlight it because it's so, it's really refreshing to me yeah. to hear it. And it's so not what I hear every day. Yeah. Well, yeah, thanks, I guess. I mean, for us, it's really and what we're doing. And, and that's kind of how the company is built. And also the departments that I come from and the business units are not just the product development, but, but basically the success of the business is, is really built on a lot of professional experience, you know? Okay. And, and so it, even, even if you take out the humane element, you know, the human element, it just from a business standpoint, it's important, you know, and we want people to be on board, you know, because we want to improve together. It is really important to us, especially with the agile transformation. That is the number one thing. Okay. Uh, it has to be because it's all, I mean, at, at the end of the day, the people are going to do the work, right? So it, it's the, it's just logical that you have to start there. Yeah. Okay, sorry. I'm going to try to stop. I know we're like a half an hour in and we haven't even gotten to personal combine yet. So I'm going to try to shut my mouth, but you keep saying stuff. Um, Go ahead. So, and then we did a ton of research and thought about this. I thought about this a ton. And then, you know, coming from another discussion, a colleague of mine, she's actually on my team, um, pointed me towards the theory of socio-technical systems, which... And and this theory describes an approach to complex organizational work design. And and when we were going through that stuff, we we gained this perspective and we learned. And and I mean, you obviously you know this from systems design and, and systems thinking. But 
Um, but now we have this perspective that we are a socio-technical system as a company, you know, overall, but also, you know, as even teams of four, you know, are a socio-technical system. Mm -hmm. and, and that system is always made up of interacting subsystems with, okay. with, with uh, a certain set of elements. Like there are people on the team that have certain capabilities. Um, we work, ho hopefully we're going to work towards shared goals. Or maybe we, maybe in the beginning we have individual goals, you know? Yeah. We, we're going to follow processes, right? Because they are everywhere. Um, we're going to use technology and we, we work inside a physical infrastructure and we share a culture or, you know, some cultural assumptions. And, and then when you really, I mean, when you, when you're going to take this to heart and say, all right, so, so we're going to, we have to think about this, that, that those subsystems are interacting. We should probably think about this when we start building teams and not just build teams, but also redefine the way they should work or we want to work. Okay. And, and there are design principles that we wanted to use, like obviously human-centered design. So we want to consider the needs and the preferences and also capabilities of the people that are part of those teams. You know, transparency. So do those teams have a, for example, a visual, a good and solid visual representation of not just all the work they have to do, but also how they work, you know? Do right. they have, are they able to create data so that they can continuously improve? Is their system flexible so that they can adapt to their environment? Is it compatible to the rest of the organization? All of that. And now to finally finish this up, um, before we got into this, I read the book Personal Kanban by Jim Benson. And, and I just wanted to, actually, I just wanted to improve my personal you know, my personal process yeah. and get more work done and all of that. <laughs> That's the gateway and, drug. <laughs> yeah, it is, but it is. It's a good one. Um, and then when we got to the social technical system stuff, I thought, well, look at that. I do believe and we do believe that personal Kanban can be this tool that we give to individuals so they can, you know, work better, healthier, whatever on their own. But I mean, I guess we're going to keep talking about personal common a little bit, but now they also have a tool where they can visualize their work and how they work and they might, you know, be able to sync up with other people, you know, okay. because personal Kanban and then we also got into a uh, lean agile visual management a little bit, you know, I mean, it's all, you know, it's seeing the work, organizing work and, and so on. And yeah, that's so where we, you know, that, that's, that was our path. How would you differentiate just I'm assuming there's some folks who either aren't deeply familiar with personal Kanban. I'm assuming there's a lot of them or people who know about it only in as a system to move cards across a board. How would you contrast it to, you know, another one of those productivity practices like getting things done or, you know, any mm -hmm. one of them? Um, what what about PK is different for you and how you practice it than those other systems? I mean, I have to be honest here. I'm not that, I don't have a deep knowledge of those other things that okay. the, the thing that, that makes personal Kanban stand out here for us and makes it a, a super powerful thing, not just in when you start out with agile, but even maybe all the way through um, is that it is, I mean, it's super easy and super lightweight, right? So it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's all about visualizing work and then limit your work in progress and, and, but it is it is it is absolutely human centered. 
it's I mean it's called personal Kanban for a reason, yeah. <laughs> and and it's in a way you know in, in terms of work it's it's almost like it's this tool to express yourself I think because it's so oh, highly customizable. Oh, thanks. But it's it's so highly customizable and you can add so much stuff. I mean, you can build your personal Kanban and it's, and I think, uh, I think Jim Benson, he says that in the book, right? They should be uh, information radiators, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So you can really, you can ha- create this visual for yourself. So you know what you have to do and to get, you know, don't forget stuff and then, you know, prioritize and whatever. And then you're going to, then you're going to add stuff and have a, a, a strong, and have like a personal value stream yeah. map. Yeah. And you can share that with people. And then you can say, all right, so that's that's what I do. And so what are you doing? So we're now on a team. So how do you usually work? And maybe you have this team personal Kanban. So it's super scalable. And and then on top of that, coming back to Scrum, I mean, just add patterns, really. You know? Yeah. Maybe we wanna maybe Dave, you and I, we're gonna, you know, we share our personal Kanbans and then we have this thing coming up like this episode, for example, yeah. and, you know, let's sprint together or create a shared backlog. Or I think in personal Kanban, we, you have this options column, right? Um, with all the yeah. well options in it, you know, the to-dos. And, you know, and it's then super easy to go from personal Kanban to Scrum. And you can, and you can experience, you know, basic uh. agile stuff like collaboration and, you know, also inspect and adapt, you know, we can learn from our own personal yeah. Kanbans and we can share those learnings so we can then continuously improve either on our own or together. We can, you know, add metrics to it, you know, we can, we can now finally take a look at, all right, so how many tasks, how many items do I have for project A and project B and what's the, what are the cycle times maybe? It's so powerful. It's, it's, it's incredible. And I think it's just a, an easy step-by-step approach when, when the, the end goal might be, might be scrum, you know, I come from product development and I was lucky enough to experience, you know, how powerful scrum can be. Yeah, sure. I, I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit of a scrum nut, I have to say, but (laughs) I love it. But, but because I saw what it can be really, I think it's because it's, it's cool, you know? So I, I love that you talked about it as a tool to express yourself. And one of the things that I think there's definitely that aspect of it, there's another thing um, that that we talk about a lot with it is is having a conversation with your work. I know Jim talks about that a lot. Yeah. Like what is what is your board telling you today? How, or I think what is so Jeff's question is uh, how is my board lying to me? Um, yeah. Like there's always stuff that's happening that you're not conscious of because you're just trying to get through the day and get enough crap done. But that whole focus on learning and using that visual system to teach you more about how you're working. I think yeah. Really cool. Yeah, I agree. And another thing that I, I, that I personally, that I'm doing and, and what I've experienced is also that, I mean, it's personal Kanban. So I've added, for example, my personal stuff. Yeah. So now I got this one backlog, one brain thing going on because because it became, you know, with know, all the stuff that's going on in your private <laughs> life. Because it's too much kids, of a maybe. pain in the ass to keep that stuff separate. Yeah. Right? And also, it kind of doesn't work because you're, I am one, you know. One system. One guy, yeah. You know, one system. Yes. And, and so, and then there's another thing. 
you know, when you're on a plane, and I hope this never happens to anyone, um, and there are turbulences, right? And the masks come down. Then they always say, well, help yourself, basically, and then help others. And wow. it's, I think it's the same here, right? So you're going to, well, help yourself, and then you can really join a team and be, you know, add value there. And and then, again, coming back to Scrum here, I mean, look at the Scrum values, you know, or look at, or, or look at stuff like respect and, and all of that. You can respect yourself here. And yeah. then on the other hand, you will definitely respect the resources and, and the processes of others better yeah. because you just have a better understanding. That's awesome. All right. Um, so you have everybody doing this stuff. They're all learning more about how to optimize themselves. We, we have just started out with this. So it's okay. Uh, I think we're doing but, this for a couple of months now. But you're... But you also mentioned the fact that people are looking at each other's boards. And I know that when I have done that, um, especially with people who are doing similar work to me, I get a lot of ideas. Um, and I ask a lot of questions. Um, like, why did you put this here? Like, why do you handle it that way? What what things are you trying here that I've not thought of? Because it's a chance to to learn. You become each other's teachers when you're doing that. And you can find ways to yeah. collaborate better. Yes, you're right. It's also, I mean, it's also a cool first step. Now that you're saying this, it's also a really interesting first step to becoming a learning organization, right? Yeah. You know, starting small, you know, maybe even, maybe even the two of us, you know, we learn from each other. Then you go to four people on a team and then, you know, there are two teams and then, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So this, you just said something that made me think of something I wasn't going to, I hadn't been thinking about this before, you know, a lot of people talk about changing the culture first and. There are, you know, where I work, that's like culture is important. But if you don't create a system that supports it, the culture is not going to survive. You you implemented yeah. systems that honor people and their ability to show up for the work. And they by themselves become learning systems or learning organizations that can then like the first level is the individual and it then is, the yes. team, as opposed to just starting with the team. So it's that's the thing that I love so much about this approach is like you are like right down at ground level influencing the DNA of how people show up to each other. Well, hopefully. And I mean, I think if you're really realistic, that's where scaling starts. I, yeah. I don't think it starts with having two teams work with each other, you know, or three and then four. And that's no, it's 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 just connecting two individuals um and and maybe multiply even all the stuff that they can get done you know their potential um because working on in a team or as a team is i mean it's incredibly powerful but but that's where scaling starts really at the individual level that you should do yeah. a talk on that you're saying a lot of really smart things in this interview this is a really oh, thanks <laughs> really good one uh all right so I just going to kind of run back through it a little bit and then see what you want to add to it. So what's happening is people are learning how to better manage themselves and their own workflow because an environment's been created that allows them to do that because it realizes that if, if it gives people the space they need to be able to show up, they can actually show up all the way. And then once you have those individuals functioning that way, they can choose to join together with a team where everybody honors the same kind of stuff and then they can optimize themselves as a group. And that's that first scaling level from the individual to the team and then yes. team to team. And then, you know, 
infinity and beyond. Yes. Okay. And the one thing that I would that would, I would actually would like to add here is it's also it's a really good way and it can be a very effective way to to basically to build a team where people just don't want to you know they they're they're becoming part of a scrum team for example but you know the, you will always have a situation where people i don't know they're just i, I don't want to say they, they 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 love working alone which i think is yeah. totally perfect it's totally fine absolutely and mm -hmm. there is a lot of stuff that i like to do on my own you know um and and it's absolutely possible i think to to use personal kanban and have the, the kanban to the, do the talking here mm -hmm. and then do the communicating and, and syncing up and and as i was saying earlier you know still sprint together you can still do scrum you know but you know we're probably not going to need you know um maybe even the sprint board we can we can do this with our personal kanbans or you know what you can definitely do because that's what we're already doing is build really powerful scrum bonds yeah and and you've got the metrics as well which is another thing that solves yeah. the problem you had because if you're coming from you know a personal kanban approach you could start to apply flow metrics and look at that stuff um I was just, when you were just talking, I was thinking like, if you had people that were doing this, who like to work by themselves, you know, they can set up their Kanban manager and workflow and they could have their time by themselves. But then as a team, they could also carve out time when they wanted to do something like mob together as well. If everybody, you know. Yes, of course. That. And then yeah. you get kind of the best of both worlds. You get better management of the time when you're not collaborating, or at least directly collaborating. And better management of the time when you are, you know, face to face collaborating on stuff because you've been able to work in a system that protects your time for that. Yeah, it's you, you just become very flexible, I think. And I mean, what, what we want in the end, obviously, is business agility. And and I, I mean, I think you can say that, or it's I think it's it's, it's true that you know behaviors or change change behaviors will lead to certain capabilities that mm -hmm. will make you agile as a company and and it's the same and if you scale it down to again back to the individual or the teams all you're doing is you're introducing new behaviors and this will then hopefully you know give you new capabilities that you you know yeah might have missed before well it's also like you've added in a missing piece where if i teach a team and we just tell them to do scrum and they get too much work dumped on them and they feel like they have to do it but nobody is taught anybody. I mean, I am stunned by this in every class I teach. Like nobody's taught the people how to manage their own stuff. They don't even know how to project manage their own life, let alone find better ways of handling it. Because um, we don't teach people that. And, yeah. and then we expect them to do it in a group. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It, it seems unfair. Yeah, sure. I also, with this, I like the pattern-focused approach. You know, I, I'm such a big fan of of the book, a Scrum book, um, from Copeland and Sutherland, okay. and so on. And and I always like the idea that there are elements, you know, that you can just take and and use to to adapt to, you know, changing environments, for example. Because I mean, who knows? Maybe in five years, or maybe even earlier, or in ten years, I don't know. 
um, Scrum won't work for us anymore. Yeah. And then it's maybe easier to build something else, you know? And I think we were talking at some point that when you start out with Scrum or, and it's true for Kanban as well and all the other stuff and Lean Startup and, um, you know, you're going to start small, right? Start with, mm-hmm. you know, the patterns and the elements that you feel comfortable with that you can do really well and then go from there because you will never, I mean, you will probably never master it anyways, and but you're definitely not going to master it right from the get-go. Well, I, I guess I agree with you. And I also feel like it's not even about mastering it. I mean, that's like playing an instrument. You know, the instrument's always got more mm-hmm. crap to teach you if you're willing to let it. And yeah. any system you're working with, there might be a point at which you outgrow it or it's it's scratching an itch you don't have or answering questions you don't feel like you need to answer and you might pursue something else. But um I just feel like there's always so much more there that if you if you stop and listen, you can find ways to keep using it to grow. Yeah, it's interesting. It's it's a, yeah, that's absolutely. I totally agree. Yeah, then I mean, then probably probably this is then also you know this is then probably also a way to to get into like you know they're talking about the growth mindset, you know. Yeah, and so I'm really going to be really curious to hear about something. So you still have teams that are doing some version of Scrum, right? No, we, we have, we still have, you know, we still have scrum teams, you know, actually okay. Okay. quite some so, scrum teams and we have Kanban teams. So that's, the, and that's still all good and great. You know, I yeah. love our teams, you know, it's, it's very, very good. So this is focused and, and also this, what I was saying is very focused on, on the, on those stages from on the, sta- on, on the gap, basically from, from zero or yeah. from traditional ways of working to all right, let's 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 build a scrum team. Let's build a Kanban team. Let's do that. Um, so it's for everything in between. And then, and at you know, at a certain point, it becomes I don't know. Then, then we're just calling it something different. If I then end up with a team of of six or five, yeah, um, and they are sprinting and they have a shared options column, which then might become a backlog. You know, they said shared goals, you know, short-term goals, maybe something like a sprint goal. And, you know, so, you know what I mean? And then it's, yeah. at some point it's just, you're doing Scrum. You, you, scrum I box. think in Zen, they call it moving beyond name and form. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, I like that. Um, so I'm really curious, and this doesn't, I don't expect you to answer this now, but I'd love to hear down the road um, about the job of Scrum Master. So I feel like, I keep talking to people who think of Scrum Master as the job is is somebody who guides the team to the destination where in some magic world, they'll make and meet commitments. And I feel like that's like teaching somebody, I mean, not that it's not hard, but in terms of what we're supposed to be doing, that's like tying your shoes. I feel like the job of Scrum Master is going to have to evolve, but what I would love to to see it evolve into is after you get them making and meeting commitments, then what does this job do? Um, because yeah, I, there's still more to, to be done to help that team. Absolutely. I mean, I agree. I mean, I, and the way I see that accountability or that role um, is I want them to be at that point, I want them to become developers. And maybe I'm just yeah. saying that because I was one at some point, but um, because I want them to, you know, run, exp- help them run experiments, you know, help the team learn, you know, from, from those experiments and 
you know, develop new ways, maybe even new ways of working by either combining stuff that's already there. Maybe they come up with something new. You know, I want them to be also analysts, you know, help the team and the pro the developers and the product owners and, and also other stakeholders understand, you know, yeah. you know not metrics and, and, every, and dynamics and everything that's happening. And I mean, for example, we're, I mean, I have a, an agile process specialist on the team and, and I mean, whatever the name is, but the role should, or I expect exactly that, you know, I want that because I think that's what we need because, and especially it's so important during the transformation because we need some, some we need a role and, and, and we need someone who can, you know, translate all the, you know, all the agile stuff, all those patterns and maybe, you know, reduce them, make them more, you know, approachable for people so that they can really start using them, you know, introduce stuff like personal Kanban. Yeah. Just, just develop stuff, develop solutions. The people need solutions. You know, they need a way to develop the capabilities that will make us an agile company. And to that's, keep growing. That's what we want to do. They need ways yeah, and to, to keep, keep growing. growing. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that, I mean, that would be a really cool job to be the person whose, whose gig was to, to chase down other things the team could do to try to amp up their game or the value they're able to produce or whatever. That would be fun to be yeah, a definitely. searcher of yeah. that. Um, yeah. This was really awesome. I appreciate you taking time to do this. So I want to recap it really quick and see if if I'm getting the main point. So for people that have listened to this, if you're struggling with transformation, um, one approach could be to start the transformation at the individual level using personal Kanban or maybe something like it to help individuals start to understand how to apply agile practices to what they do day to day, how they manage their lives and their work and their ability to show up. And when they learn how to start doing that for themselves, then you would put them into a situation where they're doing it with a team of people and they would carry that mindset with them. And then that could scale on up throughout the organization, as opposed to teaching a team how to do scrum and telling them to do it in a system that can't support it. Perfect. I couldn't help adding the bit in at the end. Okay. Um, I love it. This is really great. Well, so I Go ahead. No, I just wanted to say thank you. I mean, thank you again for having me on again. I mean, this was a blast. I always love talking to you. So. Well, I want to thank you for inspiring me because when you told me this stuff a couple weeks ago, I was like, damn. And I'm really psyched that, that we were able to talk about it. And hopefully this provided value for some folks. Um, yeah, I hope so. And what if people want to get in touch with you? What's uh, what's the best way to do that? Um. Well, probably the best way is uh, via LinkedIn. Okay. So I'm on LinkedIn. I'm always, always happy to talk agile and all that's connected to it. And I'm also on Twitter. Um, actual X. MG. You have to X. call it I'm X sorry. Now. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So LinkedIn and X. Okay. <laughs> um. Cool. And I'm going to include links to personal Kanban and I'll also include a link. You mentioned lean agile visual management. So I'll include a link to Modus's program in that too, because you know, we're both. Yeah, definitely. I, I, yeah, please. I can, I can, I cannot recommend it enough. Go check that out. Um, yeah. And thanks, man. This was fun. Thank you. If you learn to work the old way, but the new